Greetings and good evening. Hi, I'm Gregory Correa and I am hosting the show tonight called Harmonics. I got a very special guest. I mean, I am so thrilled that he is on my television show tonight. Please welcome Abdul Jamal. Abdul, man, Thanks, thank you man. for being here. Hey, thank you, Greg. You know, it's just a pleasure to have you here. Um, we're going to have some fun tonight. Oh, that's the only reason I came. There you go. <laughs> hey, you know, I want to ask you some questions, and, okay. you know, we'll, we'll cover the gamut. We'll probably okay. do show some of your artwork. And, and to tell you the truth, right now at this very moment, I'm wearing a piece that Adul has actually did. Um, this is absolutely a beautiful piece, but really tell me what actually got you inspired to do artwork. I know you're self-taught, but, you know, what actually got you going into the art field? My grandmother. My grandmother actually, before I did the art, I was a stockbroker. And it was the end of a good thing, and I needed to find something else to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And I stopped by my grandmother's one day, and she says, uh, could you do me a favor? She said, I want you to fix this picture. So she goes in her room and dig under the blanket and wherever she hides stuff and mm -hmm. she comes out with this picture and she lays it out on the table and it's a picture that's torn in about 12 pieces and she said yeah fix this picture so I took the picture and I went down to a photo lab and I called her back a couple of days later I said hey, granny the guy wants five hundred dollars to fix the picture then she said dummy I didn't ask you to pay for it I asked you to fix it <laughs> so that's how you that got was really, it yeah. that's how that you really it. got started that's how I got started you know you're from Seattle Chicago. Originally. Oh, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna trail on this, but okay. you were from um, Seattle as well. You, you know, um, Seattle's a very famous place, but yes. you know, you talked about Chicago. Chicago is really a place for blues people. I mean, you have yes. talked about that before. Uh, I know that you also play a little bit of percussion. Yes. Um, but what actually, you did an interesting thing just recently. You did a uh, in in your artwork. You did a thing for Duke Ellington. Yeah. Can you explain what actually happened there and how it actually came about that you actually did that? Yeah, I started to bring that piece to this. So I wish you would. Yeah, have, you, you know, know. I, I picked the Jazz Metropolis because it was more a Chicago thing. But okay, I was commissioned back in nineteen, I would say ninety-eight. I'm Duke's I'm birthday. Old, yeah, th to do the centennial for Duke Ellington. At mm -hmm. that time, I had an, uh, an agent, you know, submit a proposal to me to create it. So I uh, actually had a dream mm -hmm. that night that I was actually sitting with the Duke. Right. And beside Duke was these two guys, like, on patrol, guarding right. them, and we were in this place called Ellington. Oh, well. So I woke up the next day and I created the piece for the Duke Ellington Centennial, and it became the, the theme poster, and they have it all over Chicago, it's sold all over the world, mm -hmm. and it was, uh, it was a good break. You know, I was glad and honored to do anything with Duke Ellington. I, I, you know, I, you know yes. what, I am, I'm a big fan of Duke Ellington's. Um, you know, you really have to see the piece. I wish that he would have brought the piece today. It's a beautiful piece. Um, I have a small copy. I know. Do you have a small copy with <laughs> I you today? I think I do. Oh, so you know, we'll, we'll get we'll somebody, get in, we'll, we'll get we'll get somebody yeah. in the house to get it. But yeah. what's ironic about it is, is um, I'm going to tell you a little story of how Abdul and I met. Uh, and we became instant musical brothers or instant musical artists, people. Yeah. Um, he was at, he was, uh, he was doing an art show in, uh, in my neighborhood. And my wife kept on calling me on the phone and said, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy. Well, he wasn't around, but I seen his artwork. And the minute I seen his artwork, I said, oh, my God, I got to meet this guy. Well, he comes driving up in his car. And when he did, 
he just gets out of his car and I, we instantly just hit off. We started talking about jazz and about blues. Tell me about some of the blues musicians that you like. Oh, I know man. there's a whole there's lot, a whole but, lot of but but tell me who who you really like in in the blues blues field. Let me throw one name out at you. Okay, okay I'm gonna throw first. I'm gonna throw Muddy Waters. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Hoochie Coochie Man. Hoochie Coochie. Yeah. Howlin' Roof, Muddy Waters, uh, Billy Branch. You know, a lot of um, of these musicians were in my neighborhood growing up. Mm -hmm. Little Milton. Um, I lived at 47th in Michigan, so I was between the Checkerboard Lounge, oh. which was famous with the Rolling Stones and everyone hung out. Mm -hmm. and then on my way to school, I had to pass by Teresa's, which was down in the basement where all the blues musicians hung. And you know, my folks was telling me, when you get out of school, do not stop by Teresa's, no why matter they, what. Why did they tell you that? It was, why, why would your folks do that to you? You, you know, know, I mean, all the kids were interested in, in, in looking inside the window when mm -hmm. they would walk past Teresa's because, you know, musicians was going to always be in and out. Right. And we were all starstruck. Mm -hmm. And maybe we were going to go down and have a beer or something. They used to tell us not to be a wino, and I grew up and I became one anyway. You're a connoisseur <laughs> in wine. We're going to cover that a little bit also. So anyway, one day I, I was walking by Teresa's and I saw a tour bus and it said B.B. King. And that was one of those days I was willing to get a whooping. So, <laughs> <laughs> so of course, I walked inside, and there's B.B. King sitting there having a Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. And I, I walked inside, and he told me to sit down. He had Lucille there, and oh my goodness. he let me touch it. He picked oh it a little my bit. Goodness. And I danced all the way home, you know, so. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you said that about those gentlemen. Uh, they were gentlemen. Yeah, they are. Uh, what's, so are. what's happening in the field today Blues musicians really pass the torch. Obviously, uh, the Rolling Stones were a big asset, and they've always given the dues to uh, all the blues musicians. It's kind of funny today that most, I should say, most elite white musicians don't really give back to the community like the old blues guys did. Yeah. You know, uh, I was lucky enough to meet John Lee Hooker, oh, wow. and uh, he was more than willing to... Um, you know, to teach me. Bo Dilley has always been a big oh, yeah. influence on my life. I got to meet him and he always mm -hmm. told me, Gregory, you're the beacon. Uh, you, you continue no matter what you do, keep on playing. But back to what you, what, what you said, an interesting thing that you, you pointed out, um, wine. Yeah, wine. Wine is a big thing in this gentleman's <laughs> life. And uh, t tell us a little bit about, you, you design, you have designed, I wish you had some of the bottles of the design, but uh, you design. everything. Yeah, I'm me. telling you, you can't. You, so you, can. you, um, you've brought, uh, you've designed, so could you talk about the little yeah, wine situation? Yeah, I could talk about it. I, um, in 2003, I traveled to Eastern Washington. A woman, of course. Of course. Okay. A woman women always will always get you. There. When I discovered Washington had this $2.4 billion wine industry, and I'm an artist, so I decided to go around and introduce myself to the producers right. and get involved with some of the activities that was going on in the wine community. Mm -hmm. So I immediately developed an interest to mm -hmm. do wine labels. Mm -hmm. And as I began to develop the wine labels, I became more interested in wine itself. Mm -hmm. So I got involved with the International Sommelier Guild mm -hmm. and also the Society of Wine Educators and, mm -hmm. and did the certification and all those good things that you need to have under your belt to really have a conversation about wine. I could wine. understand. So, yeah, and I, I just developed a passion for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's something uh, that's been intriguing to me as an artist. You know, you always associate an art 
gallery with a wine tasting and somehow I remember, you know, you have to be careful what you say. Mm -hmm. I remember having an art show and I said to myself, gee, if I was selling wine, I'd make a million dollars. There you go. And here I ended up in the wine industry. So it just, it happens like it, that. It happens. Yeah. Um, you know, Dool, I want to go, I want to cover another base with you because you're, you know, you're such a talented individual and you're such a positive individual. What I'd like to, uh, to do right now, this, this man here, this artist, also does apparel artwork. And if you can see, I'm wearing it right now. We got to stand up. You know, and, and I'm standing, and, and <laughs> could I stand up? Is it okay if I stand up and show you the back of this? I guess we can do it together. Too. Okay. Sure. Look at these pieces. These are both pieces that that he designed. And it's, it's pretty amazing that he did. And then I'm going to turn around. Take a look at that. All hand painted. You know, now he's taking over the show, which is okay with me, you know. <laughs> Looks good on you there. You know, and, and it, you know. Oh, I, got, I have to give some love to now, Jimmy. Now, now, let, now look it's at like, this one by Jimmy. Got to do the Jimmy. Turn right here and turn right here. Okay. Look at that. That's Hendrix. You know, one of my favorite musicians. In fact, I've seen Jimmy on April 27th, his last show here. Oh, wow. But, and look at this right here. Let's open up right here. This man got oh, yeah, taste. I, I, yeah, this, this guy's wild. Look at this. <laughs> Thank you. You know. I love all his work that he does. You got a couple pieces that you that I brought you a couple brought. pieces down, yeah, and I got some interesting stories. Yeah, I, 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 I pulled this one out first. Let's not, uh, don't drop it. Let's just take, you got, you got plenty of time here. Here we go. Tell us a story about I'll this I'll tell you one. the story. Being in the wine industry, we do like a whole lot of food and wine pairing. Mm -hmm. And I felt honorable to bring back what I considered the first American celebrity chef. Okay. So I put this up with the camera. It's a Utila kilt, but it, it has Frank L. White, who was known as the Cream of Wheat Man, who was a chef in Chicago, my hometown at the turn of the century. Wow. And the Cream of Wheat Company approached him and paid him $5 to pose and took the picture, and he became what we know as the Cream of Wheat Man. And we've all ate Cream of Wheat. We all ate Cream of Wheat. And it was, it was just an honorable, honorable thing to be able to honor such a great person who got me through the cold, bitter days in Chicago, because I remember mornings getting up, looking out the window saying, I'm not going to school, <laughs> I'm just not gonna go. It's too cold, you know. I can understand. And then I would see Frank L. White sitting on the table. Oh my goodness. And that mean I was gonna end up on a playground playing Run Chief Run. You know, there I'd be you good go. and warm, you know. There so you yeah, go. in honor of Frank L. White, I decided to do that. And I always tell people the story, they, they always go, oh, he only got $5, but Five dollars at the turn of the century, and my grandmother said she only made a dollar or something a week. Yes, was equivalent to five hundred dollars. So he was a smart man. He got a good profit. Five dollars was good for that time. Quite amazing. Yeah. But let's keep that on this table. Okay. We'll just, let's slide we'll just, that one over. You know, uh, let's just keep this on this table right here for a second. Okay. And because I, I just like that how that looked. Okay. And we'll move that over. Show us something else right over there. You got a little bag of tricks, which yeah, I, I really few. like. I, I, I like this spontaneous situation right here so what i did is, is i'm truly into the eco-friendly thing i understand so i would go perfectly. find like these wonderful vintage jackets and here i found a nice simple soft leather but i wanted to add some ambiance and style to it so i did a picture on the back the harlem jacket unbelievable and it's all hand painted it's textiled and uh could withstand rain shine and it's, it was a way of just telling great stories, you know, right. with clothes. It's taking something old and making it new. Can you can you tell me anything about the Royal 
uh, cuckoo club at all. It's a it? mythical place. There you go. <laughs> See, I, I, that's what I say, the creativity of it. We all heard yes. of, uh, you know, uh, the clubs that they used to play in, yeah. in Harlem. In I'm Harlem, sure it was you know, a club, though. Uh, probably yeah. was. But, you know, this is really nice. The highlights, I, I, you know what I enjoy uh, most about uh, this picture is the lady is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she is. She is absolutely would gorgeous. Would you date a chick like that? I would date her. She's good looking. I would date her, but honey, I'm, uh, you know, honey, I'm just fooling. I mean, I would, yes. But yeah. it's it's a great, great picture. Thank you. And, Thank and you. it's how he's done it. And, and it just represents, again, you have you, you have this sense to me, like, let's put this over let's here. You have this sense of tradition to me that I really like. Thank you. And um, let's let's get over here. Let's try one. Let's go look at one more. I like this one. You know what this I like? Watch fun. out for the water right down on okay, the bottom. Okay, I get it. Okay. This one is fun. And, and is this I, Anita? I'm, is I'm this truly, who I think it is? Is this who? this is Mademoiselle Josephine Baker? There it is. Yes. So let's I pulled see. that one out. Yeah. Let's, Paris, 1927. Let's pull this. Let's out pull that out. Yeah. yeah let's so we can out. actually see this. Yeah. Let's get it. Give me. Here. Give me. Tell me a story. I, I know a story about uh, Josephine Baker, and then as the banana woman. And I'll tell the story. And uh, tell her the story about this lady, and then I'll I'll tell you a, a beautiful story about her also. Well, being in the wine business. Mm -hmm. When I would show up to do wine tastings, mm -hmm. people would always be surprised that I was there. Mm -hmm. And I had to remind them of the heritage in which I had come from. I could understand. That was in France, drinking wine before they were even born, before <laughs> California, Washington was even producing wine. Mm -hmm. And I decided to use Josephine Baker because Josephine Baker represented two things to me. One, she was a very elegant woman. Most definitely. Secondly, the banana skirt, in my opinion, I used it as uh, an attribute for a particular wine that mm -hmm. comes from the Beaujolais region of France known as the Gamay. And a good Gamay that's well made has uh, a chemical profile of bananas. Mm. When you put it to your nose, you can smell bananas. So mm. I would always go to a restaurant and say, Monsieur, may I have a Mademoiselle Josephine? Oh, I you love know, it. Josephine Baker. You know, so I thought I'd do something in honor of Josephine Baker mm -hmm. and just to kind of set the record straight in the wine world. Well, who was drinking wine first? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What I love about this is uh, being that he just brought up Josephine Baker. She also became later on in her life. She also became um, uh, a humanitarian. Yeah. She she adopted many children yes. and she became one of the first ladies of France. She was very good. Um, I think that everybody should read something about this lady because she was an American. She was also um, she was downgraded in America and she went to Paris and and she became world class famous. So, you know, again, and this also, is tradition that he has. Excuse me and. Yeah. and she was a tradition, and again, he shows a tradition. Uh, you show like a line here. And, and also before Angela Jolie and Madonna was exactly. adopting kids, you know, for whatever reason they do, Josephine Baker really was doing it for a genuine reason. Right here. Yeah, from her heart. And so her heart. she basically had the tribe of the rural. That's uh, right. Even if it, you know, took all her money away. I but know. She, she did whatever she had to do mm -hmm. to help people and, and to bring people together. Mm -hmm. And it's an honor to even paint an image originally uh, produced by the great artist Paul Colin of Paris. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is my honor to Paul Colin as well as to Josephine Baker. Beautiful piece. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful piece. Could we set this right here? Yes, indeed. And let's let's continue our little journey of right. of of uh, of enjoying wine. Ah. 
We should have had some wine. Uh, I wish we, we did not? have. I wish we, we did have some we wine. But the school might have said by the time we'd have been done, we might have had a huge party here. Of course. You know, we got we got elegant ladies in 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 the audience here. <laughs> we got we got professional golfers up in the studio. We got people surrounding us all day. So, uh, but if we did have wine here, oh, it'd, be it'd be fabulous. Yeah, and, and you know, we, maybe we we'd have dim the lights a bit. Exactly, we'd have to dim the lights. Yeah. Let's. I want to talk to you about something that you did. You worked with. Is this what it says here on your on your bio, did you work with Spike Lee? Was it Spike Lee that you worked Spike with? Spike Lee and Bayer Johanny. Mm -hmm. um, I was in New York, um, gosh, 2001, I believe. Okay. And a friend of mine, Dr. Lorenzo Pace, realized I needed a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> All the Chicago guys always I could understand that. So he hooked me up with um, uh, Bayer Johanny from mm -hmm. Dakar, Senegal, who at that particular time was a an attorney for the UN mm -hmm. and Spike Lee and Byra had owned a collection from a Biennale artist by the name of Morphe. Mm -hmm. And they were looking to develop some programs, some multimedia uh, presentation to present his work in uh, the New York area. So, mm -hmm. I, of course, I was the guy for the job. So they invited me in. Mm -hmm. They put me in this lavish uh, place in Harlem mm -hmm. that Spike Lee owned. and. Uh, they were surrounded by oh, millions of dollars worth of artwork. So mm -hmm. every day I got a chance to walk through and look at Morphe's work. And I, funny thing, I used to hear him tapping on the artwork early in the morning as if he had commissioned me to do the piece. And I did a multimedia presentation where I basically kind of did a retrospective of uh, what he had created over the years. Mm -hmm. And it was an honor to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting that you work with Spike. I always wanted to work with Spike. I got a hold of Spike years ago. I wanted to get in a movie with with Spike. And uh, I had a friend that um, that is a director, Doug McHenry, that I went to school with. And hopefully, maybe in the future, I'll be able to. Let's let's move on. What what's interesting about this gentleman? You've you've seen his look at the close. You know, uh, you've seen some of his artwork. Um, I want to show you a picture, if it's okay if I raise it up in the studio, I got it right down here. I'm going to raise it up a little bit. I'm going to put it, put it up and he is, uh, he'll explain what the, uh, the picture, if you look on the monitors, you could actually see and he could explain it to you. If you want to focus on this a little bit, uh, and, I, and I'll, hold, I'll hold the picture no, or you could, yeah, I'll hold it. And you oh, could, I could you, just point. I could point. Okay. Okay. Um, this is known, this piece is called the Jazz Metropolis. Mm-hmm. How's that? Okay, is That's that better? Okay, there okay. you go. Okay. This is the Jazz Metropolis. This okay. is actually my neighborhood that I come from in Chicago. It's known as the Bronzeville. It's uh, the neighborhood that Richard Wright, the writer, talks about in The Native Son. And this is just my interpretation and a way to immortalize the essence of the community, all the great artists that had come through and, and all the great gifts that they had left in the community. And this particular marquee here, the Jazz Metropolis, would be uh, today of what we would actually call the Regal Theater, which was the birthplace of most of Motown. All of the greatest jazz musicians in the world had performed here. Uh, the Jackson Five really made their marquee appearance in Chicago at this theater. Wow. And then there's, of course, Chili Max, and Chili Max is where all the, the artists and musicians would hang out after their gigs or to take ladies out to impress them. And it, and, and I know the, the Chili Mac family, they made some really good chili, um, really delicious. Yeah, that delicious. sounds good too, like chili, some we, chili. If you had money to go to Chili Mac's, it was the equivalent of going downtown. And then there's, of course, the legendary Jerry Oliver's Palm Tavern, 
which um, Josephine Baker's last appearance in the United States was actually at this tavern. And this, again, was another great place in the Bronzeville neighborhood mm -hmm. that uh, Jerry Oliver owned, uh, her and her husband, for years. And it's no longer there, but again, you know, I wanted to be able to keep these pieces in my memory and what the neighborhood meant to me. And then, of course, there's a Sutherland Hotel. The Southern Hotel and Ballroom was where some of the greatest musicians had performed. Uh, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, everyone would stay here. And this neighborhood was full of culture. Um, this is the neighborhood, and I always tell people in Seattle, where Quincy Jones was born and where he actually come from before he migrated to Seattle. Uh, this, this is a neighborhood, home to the DuSable High School and Captain Diet which gave birth to some of the greatest musicians in jazz, from Joe Williams to Gene Ammons to Johnny Griffin, my, my late uncle George Brown. And um, it's a lot of history there. So I wanted to be able to document uh, some of the things that I thought was important that the future, in case this neighborhood somehow disappeared, the kids will always be able to look back and have something to reflect on, a little history of the neighborhood. So it has a lot of icons here. Could I ask you a question? Who right. is the dancer right there, the man, uh, the gentleman that is dressed in a, like a, that's, is it a top hat or? Yeah, that's, this is Mr. Bojangle, Bill Robinson. I thought so. In the moon, we have Charlie Parker. At the church house, we have Duke Ellington. We have Lady Day hanging out at the well. We I love it. Dexter Gordon's hanging here. John Coltrane, Dizzy Gillespie. I love it. Uh, that's uh, myself and Roy Hargrove. Oh, which, my goodness. Which wasn't one of the legends, but I thought I put Roy and I, good friends, I thought I put them in here. Mm -hmm. And that's me strolling down the street. I and, love it. Yeah, so it has um, a lot of history to it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank, man, that's that's an awesome, awesome picture. I'm going to set it down here right here and let it relax. You have to leave that in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I wanted to do, too, there's a, there's another aspect. Uh, Duel and I have jammed together, but... I can't do that today, but he's going to, um, we got, we got a little bit of time here left. I would like you to just, just play a little bit of your percussion, uh, uh, to explain this drum and then okay. we're going to cover one little other area before we um, say goodnight. This is a, a West African djembe. It's a, there's so many myths to this drum. But this is the type of drum, once you start playing it, yeah, I'm telling it you. captures your soul. I am I mean, telling no, you. It's one of the talking drums from Africa. Mm -hmm. You so, want to just do, just do a little 30-second thing do, for us? I do. Some, let's do some going out to a commercial or something. Well, we, we, we're going we're gonna to keep on flowing okay. it, but just, just okay. play a little something for I'll about 30 little, seconds. Little, I'll do a little something. Okay. Let's see. Last time I did here, he's, we're gonna, we're gonna We're going to take you right now. We're going to take you to the roots. So here, here he is right here. Gotta cook up the cream of wheat. That's first. it, baby. Make it hot, make it hot. hot. Y'all ready, ready? Yeah, go ahead.
what's amazing <laughs> about this guy. Thank you. He could entertain us. He could entertain all the people who are going to be watching the TV. But what's, what, I, what I was feeling right there is, besides the voice, the call of a drum. How it could gather tribes, how it could gather people together. Yes. Boy, you know, to, to have this man here today in, on my TV show and being Thank the you. first guest, it is Thank absolutely you. a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I hope that you go wide in the world. Thank you. Sir. I hope you have long life Thank and you. health. And like what's usually what happens on my TV show, which everybody really knows and starting to know is, if you notice, the first thing right off the top is that we're both wearing shades. So if you want to come on my show, you got to be cool, like cool blue, and put on my shades. Kind of blue. I'd like to thank everybody tonight. I'd like to thank my producers, my, my TV men, uh, the audience out here. But most of all, I'd like to thank you, my brother. Thank God you, brother. bless you so much, man. Such a pleasure to be my first guest. Um, we're going to be on TV on Channel 27, also ch Channel 99. Um, I want you just to have a wonderful life. It is, Thank you. You man. are absolutely uh, one of the, the best artists that I know. So um, in closing, I'd like to thank him for coming because he's come a long way thank and you. he's got a long way to go. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank the audience. I'd like no, to thank the audience thank too. You guys. But, uh, Good night. Good night. We'll see you on our next uh, our next show and on my next guest. We'll take it out right now.